NASCAR great Norm Benning is stopping by to join us, and we will get his thoughts on his terrific career and what he's up to nowadays when uh, he joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have our news and notes segment as well as our Ask Norm segment at the end of the show where we will answer questions that have been submitted to uh, us for Norm coming up later on. Today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year on David's 08 Ford Mustang. We want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit TicketSmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's TicketSmarter.com. Com. David Starr actually is off this week, and so it is me and Dominic Oregon holding things down. And, Dom, let's start off by looking back at the race that was at Watkins Glen. Kyle Larson, his second win of 2022. I didn't think it would take him this long to get that second win. They've been running good all year. Just, I mean, the competition's been so much better than it was a year ago. And – he has a little uh, bang up with his teammate there, uh, you know, Chase Elliott, for the win. I thought it was good racing. I don't think Kyle Larson did anything wrong, and he needed those uh, those playoff points too because Chase Elliott clinching the regular season title has uh, certainly widened that gap. Well, and he clinched the title, the regular season championship at Watkins Glen, but it was nothing of celebration. And you could tell from his post-race comments and just – how he was conducting himself after the race. He was irked with his teammate and Kyle Larson. And Tyler, I think you look at how he handled it, but I guess at the competition meeting, it was said that Kyle Larson, I believe on Tuesday or Monday, whenever the Hendrick Motorsports competition meeting was, I believe it was Monday, did more listening and then talking and did apologize about what had happened on the track. But Tyler, look at it. They didn't crash cars. That was just hard racing. And in talking with a couple drivers about it, like why would you give – the inside, especially to a teammate, they're still going to race you hard, even though they're your teammate. Why would you give somebody the inside with a few laps to go on a restart? Right. Yeah, I, I thought Kyle did nothing wrong. It was good racing, and he uh, outdueled them to get the win, uh, ultimately, when it's all said and done. So with that, with Kyle Larson getting the win, Dom, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the playoff picture in just a second, but as far as drivers with momentum right now, Larson gets this win. Kevin Harvick had won back-to-back races. We know how well Chase Elliott has been this summer. I would think those three are kind of the favorites right now, but, I mean, it's not by a large margin. I mean, there's a number of guys that are realistic threats to win this championship right now. 100%. I think even the track house guys, you look at Ross Chastain, maybe some ruffled feathers over the last six or seven races with somebody on the track, but – they run up front every week. Trackhouse Racing, I think, is definitely the most underrated team of the 2022 regular season. Ross Chastain could definitely make some noise during the playoffs this year. Any of the Hendrick guys, like you said, Kevin Harvick with two wins. Three weeks ago, we were talking about how Harvick was on the outside looking in. Man, I think if he can make the playoffs, too, no matter who it is, if it's Ryan Blaney or Martin Truex, those guys have advanced through the rounds of the playoffs. 
Truex has finished runner-up in points multiple times, 2017 champion. He was last year's runner-up to the title. So one of those guys makes the playoffs or whatever happens in Daytona Saturday will happen. I think one of those guys can still make a lot of noise too. Ryan Blaney's fourth in points. Martin Truex can go up and lead up a bunch of laps. There's so many guys that can get it done, but we'll get more later on that in the show. Yeah, and uh, with the playoff picture now uh, going into this weekend, we know that all the top 15 are good, that they are in, and it's down to one spot. Either Blaney or Truex gets there on points or somebody within the top 30 can get there with a win. Dom, uh there's a lot of capable drivers, too, not only it being Daytona, but you look at those guys there. I mean, from the from the likes of Bubba Wallace to Eric Jones uh, to, you know, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse. I mean, it, there's a number of guys that, that could win and get that last playoff spot. Daytona's going to be wild. Tyler, there are 14 drivers that can still go ahead, punch their playoff chances with a win in Daytona Saturday. Couldn't be Ryan Blaine or Martin Tricks Jr. It could be one of those other 12 guys. There are so many wild factors to consider. It's going to be a great race on Saturday. Definitely, I'll be willing to say artificial excitement because it's the playoffs, and this is something that wouldn't have happened 20 years ago, but it's still darn exciting. And I'm going to be on the edge of my seat watching it 2,000 miles away in New Mexico. And we might not even know the full playoff picture realistically with news that came out on Tuesday that Kurt Busch has been approved to test uh, before the playoffs officially begin at Charlotte to see if uh, he can pass concussion protocols and uh, go through the playoff. And Denny Hamlin has talked about that they're willing to uh, take themselves out of the playoff from the, the driver points situation anyway. Uh, I don't know about owner points but give up the driver point spot if Kirk can't go to somebody like Blaney or Truex to, to get in the playoff. That news to me there here on the podcast, I, I like hearing that. That's interesting. That Come on, Don, I, you got to do your homework now. I know, right? I usually do, but yeah, you broke some news there to me on that. That's going to be interesting to watch. Like, wow. So that could happen, and that would be unprecedented, kind of like 2013 where we had another driver get added to the chase. Maybe a situation like that if we find out Kurt Busch is not cleared, but Interesting news there. So you're right. As far as I know, Jeff Gordon is not going to be added to the playoffs. This that's, time. that's right. Jeff Gordon will not be out of the playoffs this year, but maybe <laughs> somebody like you said, Blaney or Truex. And I look at Brad Keselowski, Tyler, a guy that's won on Super Speedway seven times. He led the most laps in the Daytona 500 this year. They can right the ship this year. And, and I know that's a building process, what they're doing at RFK Racing. But that all goes away with a win. You're a winner. You're all of a sudden being talked about, and you right the ship. Right, right. Uh, for sure. We'll have more on the playoff situation and the uh, race here at Daytona this weekend coming up later on. But right now, Dom, we're going to bring in Norm Benning. Norm Benning, he is our guest this week here on Let's Go Racing. I've had the pleasure of knowing Norm about a good 10 years now. We've worked with him with some media stuff over the years and have definitely exchanged pleasantries and then some at the racetrack and definitely enjoy any chance we get to, to speak with him because he's got such a depth of knowledge on the sport. And I know our guy missing in action this week, David, has an even longer history with Norm and has known him a lot longer. But, Norm, we appreciate you coming on the show tonight and look forward to just a, a wide range of conversation here on the show. I appreciate you having me. And uh, it's a shame David isn't there because uh, we did a lot of racing together in the trucks. 
So I have to ask you off the bat then. I mean, you guys did do a lot of racing in the trucks over the years, mid-2000s into the 2010s. Any David Starr memories or moments that pop up immediately or that you think of when you think of Starr? Well, he was always a, a good driver. I mean, he, he respected everybody and everybody respects him. And that was one thing I really liked about him. He, he drove you clean and you could count on that. Do you guys ever have any run-ins on the track or, you know, any spilling the tea kind of moments? No, not really. <laughs> we used to go out to the bars once in a while together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did that go? <laughs> well, he probably doesn't do so much of that anymore, but I remember the day when we did. <laughs> okay, and so how did those go? Now, now, now you got to spill the tea here. Yeah, you really got to <laughs> tell us what happened there. And we can, we can ask David next week on the show. Uh, well, I, no, I can't do that. Not without David there. He'd have to back me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, you always see, too, like during a race, and they're showing the images pre-race. You see a lot of drivers hanging out, driver introductions, or by their trucks and cars. Do you ever – do you think of any moments there that you had with David where over the years you guys would chit-chat during driver intros or just catch up in the garage area or any of that? Yeah, I mean – if we ended up next to each other or whatever, we'd talk about the race or what we thought was going to happen or how he was running, how I was running, and that sort of thing. But uh, like I said, you could always count on David to be a clean driver. Yeah, uh, uh, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, Norm, uh, you, you mentioned uh, you guys going out. What, what's, you know, David, he was just telling me the other day, he, he says to me, he's like, you know, Tyler, you know, I, I don't drink. He, he doesn't drink. But uh, but I like being around people that drink and having a good time. So I, I imagine <laughs> that even even if he didn't have a cold one in hand, uh, there was still a good time had by all. Oh, yeah. I, You know, we used to go out of these different bars and different things. A lot of the drivers were there, not just him. So we just go and have a good time and, you know, tell so, war stories, basically. So who's <laughs> a good, like, wingman like if you're if you were going out back in the day among the nascar drivers you wait raced with and whether it was david or who other uh who, who was a good wingman maybe for you i don't know if i had a wingman i really didn't <laughs> <laughs> i was the target sometimes and some other people were targets other times but we'd have a lot of laughs it was fun <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. You look at the go, – go ahead, Tyler. Oh, that uh, – I was just going to say, uh, you know, Norm, uh, you know, with, with, with that being said, I mean, I love that we get to pull back the curtain a bit and and, uh, and see that that realm of, of other drivers, you know, that, that person, personality come out. I mean, your era, that was a different time. I mean, you guys were uh, – I felt like – there was much more personality, more character than, than what we see kind of kind of nowadays. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the sad part about nowadays. So back then, we we would help each other I mean, for the most part. I mean, you saw what happened at Eldora when my truck got all banged up. I had every crew in there except the 68 crew, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the way it was back then. And uh, it was just more fun now. The guys aren't as close as they used to be because we're all out there trying to trying to win. But at the same time, we're all – it's supposed to be fun, too. When it's not fun, you shouldn't do it anymore. And uh, it's such a big business now. There's so – the influx of money is incredible. And 
that's the reason I'm not running full time right now. I don't have that that kind of money, and I'm just picking and choosing the races I like. And and uh, I'm thinking about Bristol and Talladega this year, and that'll probably be about it. But you know, guys were talking about uh, when he went out to Portland, Oregon. It was seven thousand dollars just for fuel out and back. For fuel, yeah. Just, I'm not going. I'm not going to support that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. No, that's a lot of money just to get out there, and and you see a lot of the reporters posting like the the overall purses for the National Three Touring Series entering a race week, and and you can just see that substantial difference, Norm, between the the Cup Series to the Xfinity Series, Xfinity to Truck. And you bring up that great point about Portland going across the country. We had one of our reporters do an in-depth story on that. And he talked with a lot of the smaller teams that were making that trek on the Xfinity side. And that's one one thing that I kept seeing come up time and time again was the fact that just the fuel price, the fuel bill to get out there and back was a lot of money. Yeah, and, and I'm probably getting some sort of trouble probably for this, but the, Here we go. the person's about half what they used to be back when I started the trucks in 08. I mean, they've cut the purses substantially. And they, you know, they cut the fields. And uh, it's kind of a closed organization now. If you don't have big budgets, you're not going to be there. I mean, I can't name any small teams that are still racing in trucks. They all have major sponsors or they have money one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So when you look at your organization, Norm, and what you guys are doing out of Pennsylvania, what keeps you going? I, like you said, you're going to go to Bristol. You're going to go to Talladega. What keeps that competitive fire going for you to keep going to these races, keep attempting, even all all these cards may be stacked against you, whether it be fuel bills or or the the influx of money with other teams. What keeps you going? I just, you know, I got asked that question the other day again, but I just love driving them, you know, and and I don't care if I make money or lose money. Uh, like when I went to Bristol and Knoxville, those are places where I was I was one of the best trucks out there and had issues, but. You know, I had a good time racing against all those big teams and, uh, you know, went to Pocono and never got on the racetrack because it rained and I didn't have enough points to get into the race. And that, that was kind of heartbreaking. That's, that's my home track. But that's that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, Norm, take us back to the beginning, too, because one of our favorite things to ask our guests is like where it all started. Because we hear about your competitive fire, racing there at your home track, but Everybody definitely has an origin story. Where does that begin for Norm Benning? Where did that all start for you on wanting to, to be a competitor and, and to see where it went? How, how did it all start for you? Well, I was born into it. My dad raced to Heidelberg and different places around Pittsburgh. He ran the tri-state area. He was tri-state champion. He won a, a lot of races. And uh, I was up in the stands, a little kid watching him do it. And so it was in my blood. And, uh, you know, I, before I had a driver's license, I was out there racing. And, uh, you know, my first championship was a figure eight championship a long time ago. And, you know, I've run dirt and asphalt in semi-lates, late models. Uh, I ran NASCAR Modifieds up in Shangri-La and Oswego with Jimmy Spencer and uh, Magic Shoes McLaughlin and all those guys. I, have, I had a little airplane at the time. I'd fly up there and race with those guys and uh you know and then I got into ARCA and did some cup racing and Xfinity racing and kind of got uh, to the point where I really liked the schedule in the truck series and because you know you didn't race quite as much and I had enough sponsorships that I could get there and 
and uh, not enough to win, but you know, I uh, had enough to go out and compete. And uh, people like Mike Beam at GMS helping me, and, and several other people, and I could get some decent equipment. So that's why I did it. Absolutely. Well, and, and you look back on those, you're talking about racing Trilanga and Jimmy Spencer, and a lot of these guys that made their way up through the NASCAR ranks as well. What was the point for you, or was there a time in place where you realized, hey, maybe I can make a, a career out of this, or I, I can really take this racing to the next level? Did you ever have like that that moment where you realized this can go further? Well, yeah, back in 2000, I, I acquired Sobe, major sponsorship, and uh, I was actually flying airplanes too at the time, and uh, Mind Safety, MSA, and and the same week that I got this major sponsorship, they shut down their flight department, so I didn't have to quit. So, <laughs> but uh, I had this major sponsor for two and a half years, and the first year we had it, we went clear to third in the points, finished fifth when it was all said and done, and led three different races. And so I showed people what we could do with a budget, and uh, it was our first year, and growing pains the first year of racing. I wish I could do that first year over again because we wasted a lot of money. Right. And, uh, you know, we didn't always have the right people in the beginning either. <laughs> Won't mention any names, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we still had a lot of success. And, uh, and I was proud of that. And uh, we had people like uh, Shodine Holmes in Chicago. When I was running Cup, he was, he was helping me quite a bit with that equipment. And uh, so that was a lot of fun too. That's awesome. And you look at your stats over the years and you ran a few cup races, I believe it was four cup races. Do you ever think back? Yeah, I, ran on a I ran a lot more than that. <laughs> That's what aggravates me. People say that four races, but every year I'd run the 150s or the 125s, whatever they were. Mm -hmm. And every year I'd run the open. There's no points, but there's still NASCAR races. And I probably did 15 of those. Sure. So I you don't look back know what on the record those races. Is. And getting to yeah. be part of those cup fields. I mean, what stands out to you the most? Because even just going back to 1989, that's a time when you had Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt still racing in the cup series. I mean, what was it like to race against those guys and interactions? And, and yeah, do you ever think back on some of those starts that you made early on? Oh, yeah, I, I, I remember them all. But uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. was my hero, and I got to know him pretty good. And there's a lot, you know, there's a few stories, but. Uh, I remember testing at Daytona one year and uh, I can't remember what year it was, but probably 98 or something like that. We were down there testing and it was always my birthday when we were down there in February. My birthday is February 16th or January 16th. He's only no more birthday, but January 16th is my birthday and we were down there <laughs> testing. And I actually was 16th fastest in the cup series testing and he was 18th. And Dale came over to me really shocked me he said anything you need you go over in my hauler and get it he said you're you're doing a really good job and uh that was the first time i ever met him personally but and then i i remember he the last race he won the irock race i went over to congratulate him and he handed me his bubble goggles he was wearing and i still have those hanging on one of my trophies wow so bubble goggles. So, like wow. Uh, you have dale earnhardt's Bubble goggles. That's pretty cool. Not many people can say they have some cool memento from the late great Dale Earnhardt like that. And you have yeah, that. I, I went over and just shook his hand, said, <laughs> Great job, and handed me those goggles. And 
and I just kept them forever. Still have them. Sure. And, and of course, his untimely death a few days later in the 500. I mean, you said you were getting to know Dale and you had that first interaction with the year before. I mean, do you feel like there was, at least at that point in time, you guys were growing a, a fruitful friendship or something that you guys were getting closer during that time? Well, yeah, the entire time for from the time I was down there and, and the cup deal, I, I, I don't know what the years are, but it was right around 98 till uh, it's probably three years, I guess. I've, I've talked to him quite a bit. And, I, and Richard Childress also. Uh, I can tell you a funny story about Richard. He, uh, that, that night at Eldora in uh, 2013, he came over to me with a bottle of wine. 18 proof wine and I still have that bottle of wine he says just make sure you drink that at home he brought he was congratulating me for making that race and that was pretty cool I still have that bottle too mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I didn't know they made 18 proof wine but they do <laughs> and I'm guessing it's from out. the children's vineyard collection of wines right yeah well now I have four bottles <laughs> so that's just one of those stories, I, I could write a book. I had actually had a guy from a uh, local uh, newspaper here, Tribune Review, came over to me a couple of years ago. He says, when you're done, I want to write a book. And uh, I said, it's fine with me. So we'll see what happens. I'll tell you what, Norm, it is a fun process. I'm working with Jeff Bodine on his, and like we were conferencing earlier this week. And just like sitting down and just rehashing stories, just from, okay, what parts are going to go in where? And like revising, I'm telling you, it is such a fun process. You're gonna, you're gonna have a lot of fun with it. It definitely takes a little bit of patience, but it's all yes. gonna be worth it in the end, especially when you have a really incredible story to tell. Well, one of the things he said to me that isn't gonna work, he said, I wanna meet everybody that was ever involved with you in racing, and that's, that's an impossibility. There were so many people that were involved and so many people that helped me, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was a wake-up call for us, too. We were working on Jeff's book a few years ago, and we've been kind of doing this on and off, but we've really gained a lot of steam this year. But I believe it was in 2017, I was talking with Jeff, and I said, well, hey, can we talk to this person, this person, and this person? And, and one of the people that came up was Bud Moore. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I have his contact information. We'll, we'll make it happen. Well, the next day he passed away. So oh. that kind of like... I wouldn't want to say it lit a fire under our butt, but we were wanting to get some more people with the project. And, and, and we definitely had to make sure that, okay, we got to make sure we're telling this right, but we got to start making sure we're talking to, to all the people that we can. That was definitely, at least from my perspective, a little bit of a wake-up call. Because you're right, you, you can't talk to everybody, but you want to definitely tell the story the best way you can. And you want to have as many voices in it. And, and, and it's sometimes hard to balance that. Yes. Yes, it is. And I know Jeff's pretty good, too, uh, I was there when he flipped down the front chute there. But I couldn't believe that truck disintegrated the way it did. Yeah. That was amazing. He's got an incredible testimony with that. And you watch that video back and just um, the amazing technology of the trucks at that time and the safety innovations that, that he had that ultimately saved his life. It's it's incredible. And, and he has this, this really incredible story of testimony to be able to share with people. And and he's very happy to do it. And, and he talks about it all the time. And and he he has a very, I don't want to say very good attitude about it. I mean, but he's definitely made the most of it. And, and I think he's capitalized in being able to share that story with people. Like, hey, you know, I, I survived. Everything worked out the way it was supposed to. Yeah. 
Well, he's from Shimong, New York, and he raced a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of different equipment. Did well. I mean, ending up at Hendricks and winning races, and mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. If I remember correctly, you have to race a couple times in the trucks, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't racing when he did this deal down the front chute. I was, I was right in that pit stall where it happened. Oh, wow. And I watched it, and uh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you said, that's where they built a good truck, and, and luckily it uh, took care of him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on this earlier, and, and I'm curious on your background on it, because I've heard from people over the years that you had the experience with airlines and, and doing that, might have even had a commercial air license at that time. I'm curious if that's true, but like where that background is and, and, and your, your love for aviation, or at least your passion for aviation, where that all stemmed from and how that all started there too. Well, my dad's brother was in the Air Force and he started flying. He ended up being chief pilot for Alcoa. And so I decided I wanted to fly and I, I got all my ratings, everything except my ATP. I don't go overseas, but I, I'm a commercial pilot. I flew corporate jets. And I had my own airplane for a while. So, yeah, I'm, I'm involved. I, I understand drafting very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, great. That's great. Uh, so, Norm, uh, what, what are some of your favorite racing memories that come to mind over the years of, of uh, everything that you've been a part of? Uh, what do you think of? What, what's the things you look back on you're most proud of? Well, I... I can remember sitting in the stands at Daytona for years and years in turn four. And then the first time I got out on that racetrack, that was eye-opening, just like when, it, when I went to the Brickyard in 94 uh, and went out on the racetrack at Brickyard. It was the same. When you think about the legends in the sport that went around that racetrack, and I got the opportunity to do it in 94, 95. I had 84 Lumber sponsor me at the time, and... Uh, I mean, to, to say you, you raced at Indianapolis is, is pretty cool. The same with Daytona, the Super Bowl of, of racing. Uh, and I just, I wish I was racing there this weekend in Cup but, or Xfinity, either one, but I'm not. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have so many. I could go on and on and on, you know, but Aldora seems to be the story everybody likes. But I'd like, I'd like to write another chapter myself. I'd like a new story. <laughs> Well, I know one time, too, I think you told me this back in 13 or 14, Norm, that you still had a cup car. And I'm curious, was there ever the thought of maybe building a cup car part-time? I know you did run the, the 125s, you ran the Open, but was there any plans to go beyond that? It's all about the finances. I, I wanted to, but it just got so far out of hand that uh, it's just like now. I mean, I'd love to be racing trucks, but. It's just not feasible right now without major sponsorship. And, you know, uh, my own home, I own a lot of things. I don't lose any of that stuff. <laughs> so I have to make a decision, you know, and I'm working hard. MDIA is a sponsor of mine, and, and we've been talking quite a bit. And he, he'd like to see me give it a go again. But uh, you just have to wait and see. I'm just biding my time and uh, – you just can't overextend yourself, and that's what I'd be doing. Sure. So if the right opportunity came along with the right sponsor and, and what you do with your operation, would a full-time tour be in the cart someday again if it was the right opportunity? I'd like to say it would be. And, uh, you know, there's always 
that transition where you start putting somebody else in the truck too. But again, without without the budget, you can't do that because when you're teaching somebody, it's very expensive. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I remember I've done it a little bit. <laughs> well, I've I done it a little bit. So, a little bit? I know. Well, I remember Tommy Regan telling me a story about how you got him to, to run your second truck at Eldora in 2017. And, and I'm paraphrasing what Tommy said. He, he listens to the show. I think you might have told him along the lines, hey, you wrecked this. Don't even think of coming back. <laughs> Who was that? Tommy Regan in 2017 at Eldora. He, he oh, got yeah. call a few days before. He'd never been on dirt. He was going to try to make the race. I know he ultimately didn't make it, but I remember him saying that he was like, wow, all the people, Norm trusted me to try to get his truck in the race. <laughs> yeah, he said he wanted to see what the dirt was like, so I gave him the opportunity, and I said, just try not to wreck it. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he told me a story, too, that you know, on top of the airline stuff, too, one of those other rumors we'd rather confirm with you, I guess at one time you were into boxing of some sort, and he goes, man, I would not want to get into a fight with Norm Benning. Uh, well, I've been in some fights, but I didn't do anything professionally at all. But I... <laughs> It takes a lot to make me mad, but when I get mad, I'm, I get pretty mad. So there's some people. Who can, I get, I'm trying to think of Andy Belmont. You could probably ask him. Oh, well, there we go. Well, there we go, Tyler. Don't cross Norm Benning. No. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Norm, uh, how different is the racing on track now, comparatively speaking, to what it was years ago? Is the between, between getting in a truck and the competition around you, just everything about it, how different is it now compared to what it was? It just, again, it, it just costs more. These mile and a half tracks now, they, they've got these bodies on these trucks so well. And I mean, they're running wide open at these mile and a half tracks. And, it, you know, if you've got the, the best body and the best horsepower, you're going to win the race. And it's that simple. You know, when you got to lift and, and work the brake and the throttle, then it's then it's driver. But uh, when you're running wide open like that, it's just it, it's just hard to compete with that big big budgets. Well, let me rephrase that. What, what I mean by that is that the competition of the the other drivers, the guys that you're facing, uh, you know, how how does that group the 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 competition in the sport the quality of drivers compared to what what they were early you know years ago well i just i'd get in trouble if i started talking about that <laughs> i just some of the guys out there i mean they really don't have the experience they just have the have the budget and that's why you see the wrecks the way you do and uh, it just doesn't seem like there's as much respect for the equipment or the other drivers as there used to be and that's short and sweet you know, they're out there with, you know, I told a driver that one time, I said, There's a, you got a whole lot more equipment than you do talent. And he didn't like it very much. But that's <laughs> the way I felt. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what. <laughs> Norm telling it so, as it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it's Brad, just, you know, in, in Cup this year, you know, we've seen a lot more parity, but – Everything we've heard is the cost hasn't gone down, uh, but just the way that they've supplied things, you know, more manufacturer base as opposed to this, the teams has closed the gap of sorts. What do you make of the, the racing we're seeing on Sundays right now, the level of competition there? Well, I'm, I'm, 
I'm not up close and personal with it anymore, but I just know that, you know, the, uh, it kind of reminds me, I rocking away, everything's purchased uh, the same and they're in a real small box and they have to make do with what they got. And the, the, the uh, rules are a lot tighter than they've ever been. But uh, the cream still comes to the top, you know, mm -hmm. doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Well, Norm, you talk a lot too about like how you're right. The, the sponsorship model, sponsorship definitely makes the, the teams keep going, the sport keep going. Looking at your operation, Norm Benning Racing, if somebody's listening to this or somebody's interested, what's your pitch to them about coming aboard Norm Benning Racing or, or being a part of your team and organization? Well, even with, with Sobe and Shodine and all those people, I never, all I promised them was I would be there and I would do the best I can. And I always tried to do more than what I promised. I, uh, that was a safer, safer way to do it. And a lot of times I impressed them quite a bit, but I would never, ever make empty promises, you know, and I just, I would guarantee I would be there and, and do the best I can. And that was it. And it, it worked out real well. So, so a company could expect that if they're maybe wanting to come aboard and, and, and help with your efforts with the team. Yeah, if they want to support a veteran driver, that'd be really cool because, you know, uh, everybody had Harvick retiring and now look what he did. <laughs> you know, I'd love to see some of these veterans come back because a lot of fans would come back with them. You know, uh, Norm, the truck series had a reputation there for a while with these greats like you know, Todd Bodine, Ron Hornaday, and others is kind of like a retirement series of some sorts, but we, we don't see that as much now. Uh, in trucks, who, who would you like to see potentially come back, whether it's for a full-time season or, you know, one-off for a couple races here and there? Who do you think could be a good fit for the trucks like that? Well, I'm really good friends with Tony Stewart. I'd love to see him come back. You know, Jeff Gordon, Rusty Wallace, you know, there's those people, uh, Mike Skinner, Ron Hornaday. Yes. Yeah, Skinner's a, a friend of the show. We'd love to see him back in a truck. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with those guys. I can tell you a quick story about that, too. My first truck race, uh, I had bought a truck and showed up there, didn't know a whole lot of anything about going through inspection or anything, and, and I had a problem with the, with the spoiler on the truck. Ron Hornaday and Mike Skinner came over and worked on my truck. And they they said to the official, we'd rather race with him than pretty much anybody else out on this racetrack. That was really cool. Hey, so where so, was this at? How long ago was this? I, was, I believe it was St. Louis in 2008. Wow. I think that's when it was. Awesome. But that was so cool. They're working on my truck and they're they're racing for a championship. And uh, they wanted to make sure I got on the racetrack. That's awesome. I'll never forget that. That is so cool. I, how did you run that day? And what do you remember about the race itself? I know I ran. I don't remember where I finished or anything, but I had fun. <laughs> I was there all day. <laughs> and uh, but if you look at my stats, like the first, I've been in the series now for 18 years, but the first at least 10 years I was in the top. 20, I think, in the points, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, but now, it's, and again, it was a lot cheaper to do. Now it's 
you have to have the Elmore engines and all these different things that cost a lot of money. And I guess they save people money at the bigger teams, but uh, for me, it's, I have a bunch of engines that aren't aren't Elmores, and uh, I probably have three hundred thousand dollars worth of engines sitting down there at least that aren't competitive anymore. Oh, not awesome. Mm. So, yeah, if you don't have the Elmore engines, you're not going to be competitive. Well, and I look at the accomplishments you've done in the truck series, the 200 and some races you've been able to run. And like you said, you have a lot of friends in the garage area and a lot of connections that run deep. Have you had people that have wanted to hit you up to, to shake down their truck or Xfinity car, even cup car, run a one-off race or anything like that recently? Wanted me to drive them? Yeah, is there has there any been has there been anybody that's reached out to you about running an Xfinity race or for another truck team or or anybody in the Cup Series or anything like that? Is that have any of those conversations happened over the years or the last few years? No, not last. Well, this COVID really turned everything upside down. Uh, I can remember going to Daytona and went over to see my dad after Daytona and didn't bother going to Atlanta, and then that's when they shut everything down. If I'd have showed up at Atlanta, they just, as soon as everybody got in the garage, they pulled the plug and told everybody to go home. So mm -hmm. uh, these last two years have been really bad for racing. Yeah. So I haven't had a lot of conversations with anybody. Yeah, uh, I get that. Uh, Norm, uh, we'll have you stick around uh, if you would. Uh, we'll do our news and notes segment in just one moment before we do. Today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter is the official ticket resale marketplace of Worldwide Technology Raceway, where David won in 2004. Fans can also get tickets to any type of event, including sports, concerts, and theater productions. Ticket Smarter is committing to helping those in need by donating $1 from every transaction to various charity organizations. Head over to TicketSmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events. That's TicketSmarter.com. Dominic Oregon is standing by with the news and notes for the latest happenings in motorsports this week. Dom, uh, got to start with uh, Kyle Busch, right? Start with Kyle Busch, Eric Almirola. There's so much to get to, but with Kyle Busch, it sounds like from his press conference this weekend at Watkins Glen International that we're going to be seeing a shakeup come 2023. He had a very candid and open conversation with the media. And I got to tell you, Ty, I read through that transcript that Toyota sent out a few days ago, and it was just very telling of the fact that we're going to see Kyle Busch going a different direction in 2023. And I believe one of the exact quotes that he had said was that you have seen the last 15 years will not be the same next year. So definitely opens up a big can of what ifs. Where is he going? How's it going to happen? All of that, the five W's and one H. Kyle Busch in 2023, Tyler, definitely not going to be back at Joe Gibbs Racing from the sound of it. Yeah, unless there's something at the 11th hour, it seems highly unlikely. Doesn't necessarily mean he's leaving Toyota, uh, whether he has his own charter or joins 2311. That's certainly possible. But, Dom, it seems like the odds-on favorite is Colleague Racing with uh, that team. Justin Haley's in one car. They have another part-time car. And uh, Chevy has, we've heard reports, they're interested in working with Kyle's truck team uh, on, on that end as well. Uh, maybe an ownership stake. We know that Matt Collins got a lot of money that, you know, he does a lot of this stuff out of his own pocket anyway. That seems to be like that could be a natural fit, but 
from a competitive standpoint, Cowling still has a ways to go to competing with some of the best of the best in uh, NASCAR's highest level now. I, I think you're right. I mean, they were just in their first year of running full-time cars and multiple full-time cars. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're building the right steps and they're right there, but it is going to take a little bit of time, I think, especially from our perspective as outsiders looking in. I mean, you look at that situation, Norm, from what you've seen, from what you've heard, where do you think Kyle Busch ends up in 2023? I really <laughs> – I have no idea. I mean, uh, you know, he could end up at Hendrick maybe. He could end up at uh, Tony Stewart's, you know, Haas or, you know, I don't know. Well, him and I don't talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I, I think about it too, Charlie. You got the truck organization wrapped up in that. I mean – What's the possibility we'd see Coggle run a full-time year in trucks and just kind of take a break from the cup scene for a little bit? Zero. <laughs> hey, yeah, he'll, be, he'll be in cups. No, stranger things have not happened than Kyle stepping away from cup to run truck for a year. No, stranger things have not happened. That. Hey, stranger things right. have I don't know. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I was asking no, 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 possibility. No. A guy, a, he has more championships than anyone else in the series. Um, more wins, you know, I, well, I guess he's tied with Kevin Harvick now. Uh, but, right, I, I, he might not be in the prime of his career anymore, but I, I don't see him leaving the Cup Series. Now, um, it, you've been talking, Norm, about the, the financial situation involved in all this and just where the sport's at on that realm. I mean, here's Kyle Bush, who had, you know, $25 million salary, with the M&M sponsorship and with the way the economy is going with the recession and, and everything that, I mean, it, it seems like from what all, what we've been told, Gibbs can't find even close to that money to match the, 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 uh, the salary that the Kyle Bush uh, commands here. Yeah, I agree. The economy is, uh, I don't know what's sustaining it right now. Actually, I, I really believe that next couple of years, all these, all these drivers, owners, everybody—they're going to have to uh, accept a little bit less if they want to keep this sport alive. Uh, they're going to have to make it cheaper somehow. Plus, they're talking about these electric cars. You know, IndyCar already has an electric race car, so who knows where that's going to go? But uh, I think we've been to the mountaintop, and uh, it's going to go the other way now. Well, and uh, Dom also. Uh, the, the other half of this Kyle Busch uh, news is the Ty Gibbs factor. Ty Gibbs likely to take over the 18 car. And the way that he's run filling in for Kurt Busch, Kyle's brother, on top of how great he's been in the Xfinity series, is there anything really for him to gain of another year in Xfinity? I mean, he looks like he's ready for full-time cup right now. Yeah, it kind of reminds me like when they were deciding to keep Christopher Bell in the Xfinity series for one more year. And I think Christopher might have said something along the lines of, I don't want to be wasting the racing years of my prime in the Xfinity series. I want to move up to race on Sundays. And and, and Ty Gibbs at 19 years old, I mean, I think he is ready. We've seen guys run in the Cup Series full-time at, at 19, 20 years old. Race. I mean, I think of Joey Logano as one of the guys that ran a rookie season at 18, 19 years old. Ty Gibbs does look ready. Tyler, he's finished top 10 in the Cup Series. He's running up front. He's learning these cars. He's spent time on simulators, but he's actually had the experience behind the will in really good equipment and a good solid team around him. He's ready. Yeah, I think so. Dom, uh, Eric Amarola looks like uh, is coming back. Exactly. Adding another layer to the silly season conversation. 
Eric Yamarola is putting the rumors of, or the, the talk of retirement, at least on hold for another season. Motorsport.com was the first to report last week that Eric Yamarola is going to come back in 2023 with sponsorship from Smithfield Foods, continuing that relationship they have had for the past 10 years plus. Almirola will be back with Stuart Haas Racing, and there's supposed to be an official announcement to come in the coming weeks. But Motorsport.com reporting, Jim Mutter on it, Eric Almirola coming back to Stuart Haas Racing for a sixth season. Norm, uh, Dominic and I, we were talking with David about this, and we had Jeremy Mayfield on last week, that everything for Eric Almirola, uh, of being with Stuart Haas and having a loyal sponsor in F Smithfield and everything, it just made too much sense for him to step away at this point in his career uh, with all that lined up for him. I, I don't see why he would he even want to retire right now. What say you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't retire. He needs to ride the wave as long as he can, and as long as his health is there, and you know he just needs to keep racing because he's he's got himself a situation where he's with one of the best teams, as far as I'm concerned, and he just needs to go out there and have fun and try and win races. And Tyler, I think what made that hard for him to step away, too, I'm sure it played a factor in it. When you look at the beginning of the season, he was the only driver to score three top 10 finishes. And okay, that's the first three races of the year, but it was a brand new car, a lot of parity, and we had the consistent factor of Eric Almarola and picking up a lot of points. I'm sure performance had a little bit to do with this. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Stuart Austin Ford has been a lot better uh, over the last few weeks as a whole. So maybe he sees a turnaround of sorts going on there on uh, that front. Dom, uh, what's the playoff picture look like? Uh, I believe Blaney has, what, about a 26-point edge on Truex here? He has a 26-point edge. So if we're just going off straight off points and we don't have any new winners, Ryan Blaney can certainly point his way in Saturday night. Truex would have to – What would that be, like a top 15 finish would guarantee that? About a top 15 finish, pick up a few stage points. If he doesn't pick up stage points, he'd have to finish, I believe, in the top three or top four. I, I'm not sure on the exact math numbers on it, but if you had to go to a tiebreaker where Truex were to go and, and score the amount of points that would have him even with Blaney, Truex would have the tiebreaker because Truex has runner-up finishes because they go to the next finishing position. How many positions, if you don't have a win, which neither of them don't, okay, how many second-place finishes do they have? Blaney doesn't have any runner-up finishes in points awarding races while Martin Truex does. So that would go there. But, guys, this goes out the window if we have another winner. And whether that be Blaney, Truex, or any of the other 12 guys that can still do it, we have a long list of drivers that can still get it done. Look at, R at Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Brad Keselowski, guys that can win that have won this Daytona July race or Daytona summer race, I should say. They could go win and take that 16th final spot in the playoffs. I'm curious on who you guys think, if there's somebody on the outside looking in, who has that best chance of snatching that 16th spot? And I want to start with you there, Norm. Yeah, I, I think Keselowski's going to put a lot of effort into this. He, he's not going to like not being in the playoffs. Like you said, he's been there before. He, he knows what it takes. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him win that race Saturday. Well, and uh, RFK Racing looks really good in speed weeks there at Daytona back in February. So, although the uh, they've struggled all year, uh, they've shown super speedway speed in the past. Um, for me, Dom, I, I think that Blaney gets in, but I think he gets in winning. I think that he's going to have a clutch performance 
he's good on these restrictor plate tracks and he won the all-star race earlier this year. Um, we know how much Ford's gotten better. Uh, you know, Ford, of course, you know, right there in his own camp, uh, Cindric won the Daytona 500 earlier this year. I'm, uh, I'm thinking Blaney is going to get it done here and, uh, you know, not, not have to worry about points, but what's wild for me, Norm, you bring up a good point. I mean, there's going to be some good guys left out in all this, you know, whether it's Truex or Kislowski, both two former champions, whether it's uh, potentially Blaney or Bubba Wallace or uh, Ricky Stenhouse, I mean, Eric Jones. I mean, there's to me, to me that that's the, the wild part about all this, the way that it's shaked out, that somebody good is, uh, is going to be loved going home here. Yeah, I, I like Gary Jones a lot. I, he's a he's a good guy. And, uh, again, I was worried about Harvick. He was wasn't doing so well, and now he turns it all around. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad he's in the chase. And but Eric Jones is another guy that I'd like to see get in there. And, and here's a scenario I want to play out for you guys. I I heard this on the Door Pumper Clear podcast earlier this week, and, and I think it brought up a great point. You think back to Richmond, 2013, Richmond Gate, and all that, and where teams help each other. And and right as a team, you want to see collectively as many drivers make the playoffs. It helps the organization as a whole, but also the individual needs of teams. Drivers are going to go out and put their best forward, their best foot forward. So with all that said, the scenario that was played out was: let's say we're on the final lap of the race. You have Bubba Wallace and Martin Truex Jr. side by side with Denny Hamlin in third, right behind. Where does Hamlin go? <laughs> and then we'll build on it from there. But I'm, I'll start with you on that one, Tyler. Where do you think Hamlin would go? Um, I think Hamlin, I think your priority is still to win the race and still to do what's best for you. For me, I've always thought the teammate thing in NASCAR was so overblown it because is. your number one job is to do the best for your individual team. Um for me, the, the whole idea of that person's your teammate, well, I mean, you share ownership. They're still a competitor of yours. Yes. And so, you know, in, in that case, for me, I'm looking at what's in the best interest of that driver for for them to, to finish up front and do what's best for them personally. That's what I would think. Norm, I mean, if you're in Danny Hamlin's spot, do you push your car to the win that you own? Or does your team lie, or does your, your loyalty lie with your teammate? Do we know Joe Gibbs would love for him to push Truex in a situation like that? And we know Hammond would love to push Bubba, or like even Tyler said, go for the win himself. But I'm curious what your take is on that. I guarantee you, if Hamlin can get those two guys side by side, he's going to slingshot them both. <laughs> and that remedies the whole situation. I love it. He yes. does have to make a choice. <laughs> yeah, I, get I one of them. But you're right. I think that would probably be the best way around uh, as a competitor. You're right, Tyler. Th these guys, they, they share the ownership, but they have their own sponsors. They got to make happy at the end of the day. They have their own. That's another, yeah, it's another win in the record for them. That's the way they look at it. Yeah, exactly. And you, you want to be helping your team at the end and doing the best that you can for your guys. Uh, we will get to, even though David's not here, we still have our Ask David segment. We're going to ask uh, questions for Norm. <laughs> coming up in uh, just a few moments from right now that you guys have sent in to us. But first, look, the racing is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter, Kim Board is the primary sponsor this year in David Zoe Ford Mustang. We want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events 
including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit TicketSmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's TicketSmarter.com. Each week here on Let's Go Racing, we ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook, Twitter, and by email, facebook.com slash star podcast, Twitter at star podcast, and email davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. And our first question this week comes from Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe wants to know, uh, Norm, let's see here. The, uh, the question goes as this, uh, Lots of top fives in ARCA were on dirt, and everyone remembers you at Eldora in 2013. Has uh, Tony Stewart or Ray ever asked you about doing uh, SRX? Actually, yes. There's been some talk about that. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about it, but the, his CEO uh, sent a message, and, and, and there is a possibility of that. That... Uh, I sure hope it happens. I'd love to do that at Eldora, one of those SRX cars. I love it. I, I would love to see Norm Benning in an SRX car at Eldora. And I'm guessing the same concept would apply there like that truck race that night. You never lift. Yeah, plus I have a huge fan base, according to Tony. People would love to see me come back there. Oh, yeah. No, that, that would be, I think, something welcome back with open arms there for sure. I'd love to see Norm in an SRX car. That would be fun to have equal equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what would happen at that point? I know I'd make it exciting. <laughs> yeah. Colby wants to know: even with your budget, what was it running in the? What was it like running in the Cup Series against big teams, especially in the late '90s and early 2000s? I I just got a lot of respect from a lot of the big. Jimmy Dunlavey was real good friends with us, and uh, just. Again, Richard Childress, and there, there are so many of the big names that would come over and just talk to me, ask me how things are going and anything you can do to help. And, uh, you know, I remember Dan Partis. He was one of the little guys out there, too. And I remember him and I drafting the Daytona to make speed. I'll never forget that. I don't know whatever happened to Dan Partis. He's around still, but uh, I remember him and I out there. We, we got 27 minutes, I think it was, of TV time down there in that during speed weeks it was pretty incredible that we had that kind of coverage being as small as we were but uh so that's some of the things i remember but junie dunlevy he would always come over and check in on us and he, was, he was a really good guy uh one more for you spencer wants to know what is the most surprising expense for small teams that would normally be overlooked by fans that's a great question spencer well, again, the Ilmore engines, uh, overall, they, I think they save people money, but uh, those Ilmore engines are at $75,000 plus accessories. So that's a huge expense. And uh, after that, it's it's tire bill, depending on how many sets of tires you buy. They're anywhere from twenty two to $2,500 a set. That adds up pretty quick. What? To me, Dom, uh, you know, an outside perspective, I'm always reminded, just whether it's talking to David or whoever, like, I mean, you guys still have the expenses that us normal people have. I mean, you have to cover your food, your travel, hotels, I mean, stuff like that, you know, and 
you know, schedule your flights and pay for those and all that. I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's not like you just show up and everything's all lined up for you. I mean, you you, you got a plan like you know every week, uh, you know, like it's a like it's a big trip, you know, here, Norm. Yeah, one of my one of my crew guys usually handles rooms and stuff like that, and we just as far as food, we figure it out. We just go wherever whatever's close out there and uh, whatever track it might be. And uh, I have a motorhome also, and we sometimes just cook there. And, uh, I, I I personally like to stay at the racetrack. I don't even like to get a room. I like staying in the paddock. You know, deal with traffic and all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and Tyler, I think a common theme you hear, especially with teams that are smaller, may have different budgets or independent teams, you, you hear a lot of that. Maybe they want to stay at the track, but they stay at a hotel. The, the team stays together, or they fly commercial, or like like how Norm said, they're cooking as a team. Anywhere to to cut costs where they can so they can invest it back in the race team. It's too bad you weren't at Pocono. We had a chef at Pocono. We, we ate as good as anybody in the garage area. What was on the menu? Yeah. Well, he, I, he had chicken rolls and uh, broccoli salad and all kinds of really cool stuff. And he cooked for 30 people, and I think we had 18 or 20. But <laughs> it was just really cool. We, we put his name on, this, on the truck on the B pillar, and uh, you know, he showed up there for two days and fed us real. I mean, we didn't have to go anywhere. Had I known, I would have dropped by, Norm. <laughs> I was there at Pocono. I you were. <laughs> there was a lot of food left, but it was just oh, so man. cool. To, he had a chef's hat on and a chef's jacket and the whole thing and set up the tables and the tent and the whole thing. Well, like that whole saying goes, Tyler, you can call me whatever you want. You call me every name in the book. You just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and he, yeah, he had all the time. was late paper. for dinner and he missed out, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'm always thinking of my next meal, Norm. That would have been a great meal. <laughs> you know, well, Dom is like what, like five ten, maybe like a buck twenty, and a buck twenty, and he eats more than like anyone I know. It's uh, it amazes me. So I mean, Norm, oh. if Dominic would have known, there would have been no leftovers. I can promise you that. Yeah, they had to eat a lot. There was there was quite a bit of leftovers. <laughs> We'd have been glad to have him over there, too. <laughs> I would have gladly polished off some of that food for me. I'm telling you, I can out eat friends. I can out eat people. Tyler and I and David, we've all gone out and eaten there. They're looking at me like, you're getting like double the amount of food. I'm like, I know. And and I will, I'll eat it all. But, yeah, I just I can out eat people for whatever reason. And I hope that metabolism doesn't continue to slow. It has started to slow over the years, Norm. Maybe it can. Yeah, mine did too. That's why I don't eat as much anymore. <laughs> so, so well, Norm, uh, Dominic, he's he's about to get married here, and and I, I expect like the the meal at the reception, like it's got to be like a buffet or something. I would guess with Dom's appetite, you know, like so, so here's an insight on that. You, you have two options. You could either get the prime rib, or it's like this baked chicken pasta thing. So uh, either way, you're going to be eating really good. And, and you're going to be eating both, aren't you? I probably <laughs> will. Let's be honest. How much cake are you going to eat? <laughs> so that, that's a great question there, too. I, I really didn't have a lot of requests for the wedding. But one thing I did want was having some yellow cake as part of the celebration. So yellow cake, yeah. white vanilla frosting. It's game over, guys. I'm sorry. I'm going to be eating a lot of cake. Yeah. I'm going to probably gain five pounds on my wedding day. My favorite is Red Devil's food. 
See, that would have been a good option there too, Tyler. I think they, they could have given us a couple options and we went with the yellow cake and the chocolate. <laughs> Red Devil food was white icing. Norm, uh, since we brought up Dom getting married and all this here, what we have here before we go, uh, any uh, any advice Dom should know before he uh, he gets married here? Is is he going to regret this uh, down the line, you know, <laughs> you get married and all this? Uh, does she like racing? She does, actually. She's come and helped me at some of these racetracks, actually. Well, you got it made then. <laughs> I know how much you love it, so it'll work out. Yeah. No, she's been a honestly, she's been a really big supporter with all this. And 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 we're expecting and we have a son on the way. And and she's like, Yeah, she goes, You, you keep chasing what you want to keep doing, and I'm right behind you on it. And and, and it's awesome yep. to have that for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Dom, congrats on the sex. Uh, good for you, buddy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and, and I gotta put you on the spot there, Norm. We'll send you an invite. We'd love to have you at the wedding in October. It's gonna be up in Santa Fe. Santa Fe, beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. Come, come on, Tyler's going to be there. There's even more. I stuff. will. I, I will be there, and 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 I want the prime rib and the chicken. <laughs> I kind of want both too, and I, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm hungry now, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Norm, Norm, we got to go, but it's been a pleasure having you on, man. Uh, what what are you up to uh, the the next few days and such? What's uh, what's your week kind of look like? Well, I, as I said, I, I bought a boat a while back, a, a scarab, and uh, it, it goes 85 to 90 miles an hour on the water. It's a 454 nice. fuel-injected 26-foot boat, and uh, that's what I'm going to be doing for the next few days. Nice. <laughs> How about you, Dom? I'll be here in New Mexico. I'm, I won't be in Daytona this weekend, but we're going to have a couple of our photographers out there, Johnny Olkowski. And we have another photographer. I'm, I'm slipping on her name. I apologize. But we're going to have them out there wow. for us. I know, see how I am? I'm just a horrible boss. I forget the guys that we're sending and gals to the track. But Jonathan Feld and I and Justin Malil will continue our coverage of the sport and enjoy it from New Mexico. And, and I think my next race actually is going to be Texas here in a few weeks. I won't be going to Kansas, but I'll see you out there in Texas. I didn't know. This is news to me. I didn't know you were coming to Texas. Yeah, I'm staying <laughs> at your place. You broke news to me earlier. I'm breaking news to you now. Oh, you're, you're staying. My parents are going to be here too. I'm going to have a full house. More than uh, yeah. See, we just break news all the time on the show towards everybody. You hear this? Norm is yeah. fighting himself over to stay at my place. I mean, that's fine, but I mean, my mom and dad will be here too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the more the merrier. I'll have a full house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on, though. Yeah, Tyler, Norm. It's, huh? it's, it's been a pleasure, uh, Norm. Uh, glad to have you with us. Uh, you're, where can people follow you and, and, and see all the stuff you're up to? Just more many racing, you know, Facebook and, you know, sadly, there's not a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> I haven't racing very much. Well, let, let's get you back out there and change that. Uh, Norm, uh, certainly uh, glad to have you with us this week and you, the listener as well for joining us. David uh, out this week. He'll be back next week. And we, uh, we might know the playoff picture, depending on Kurt Busch's status next week. Uh, we'll bring it all down for you, no matter what, coming up on a next week's show. Certainly going to be exciting uh, to talk about, and uh, we will see you then. As always, uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com slash starpodcast, Twitter at davidstarpodcast, and uh, by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. 
We will put the checkered flag out on this episode for Dominic Comagon and Norm Bennett. I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.